to learn more about you. As we've been singing, so Lord, we are reminded and in knowledge of flesh that you are a good, good father. That's who you are. And that we are loved by you. That's who we are. And that your love has been demonstrated to us incredibly in the person of Jesus. Laid down his life for us. Reconciled us into a real, living, vital relationship with you, the living God. And that you desire us to grow in that relationship. So, Lord, this morning through this teaching, we pray that you might not just inform us, but that you might challenge us, that you might prompt and nudge us, change us, that you might draw us closer to yourself. We might walk hand in hand with you through this day and each of the days that lie ahead of us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, let me just do a time check. It's uh, seven minutes past nine, is that correct? <clears throat> I have to stop at 9.25. So I become very conscious that I've got so much that I want to say to you this morning that I won't get through at all. But the good news is I get to speak at all three services today, so I might just do the first third, second service to the third third, last service to the last third, and I'll be happy and you'll be confused. Good news. Daniel and Caitlin Kivers are parents. <laughs> Olivia Margaret Kivers was born Thursday evening, 5.29, 5.28 p.m., Thursday night, evening. 4.18 kilos. For those of you as old as me, 9.2 pounds. What do you mean? Oh. <laughs> Little. How long? Not sure. They're both pretty tall people. Where's great granddad? Do you know how long she was? No. Sorry? You didn't quite measure it. Olivia, what a pretty name. So, and she's home from hospital. Gee, they don't muck around these days, do they? I remember when we, when we had our kids, Rhonda was in hospital for like six months or something. <laughs> it's about a week, four days, five days. It's hard. You've got to drive to the hospital every day, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Some people are just so obsessed with themselves, aren't they? Anyway, we rejoice with Caitlin and Daniel, parents, and it's wonderful, a little girl. So all of the parents down the back who heard sons are beginning to plot and plan. Will this be the... Let's talk about... Is there something else I had to say? Is that it? Have I forgotten anything else? Prayer is practical, isn't it? It works. We know it works. We would all say it works. Um, in fact, I love Bishop William Gardner, who I thought was the one who said it, but I have since found Spurgeon said it, so I don't know if he's quoting Spurgeon, who said, I know prayer works... And though some people think it's just coincidences, I also know this, when I stop praying, coincidences stop happening. I like that. Prayer does work. Not infallibly. It's not a rub the jar and a genie thing and whatever we want, we get. We know it's not like that. We also know that it's not only practical because it works, we also know that it's about building a relationship with God. We're going to talk about that this morning. It can be a delight privilege certainly but we also know it can be hard work and therefore prayer requires from us a sense of commitment of discipline and this morning's talk perseverance 
something we have to keep at. Bible readings we had this morning talk about that. And on the flip side of this, the reason we need to keep persevering is because sometimes God seems unresponsive. Anybody had that experience? Anybody not had that experience? We've all had it. And sometimes it seems the most desperate we are is sometimes when he appears to be the most silent. In fact, the Bible gives us examples very honestly. Job 19 verse 7. I'm just going to fly through these. Job says, I cry out and I don't receive an answer. We understand. Psalm 22 verse 2. Just after, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The psalmist says, I cry out in the day, but you do not answer. Or Psalm 35, verse 13, my prayer has returned to me unanswered. God remains silent. Habakkuk 1, verse 2, how long, Lord, have I got to cry and ask you for help and you don't listen? We identify and we understand. And in fact, God even says in the Bible, not just the experience of God's people, but God tells us there are times when he will not answer. James 4.3, you ask and you don't receive. Why? Because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you can spend it on your own selves, on your own pleasures. No, I'm not answering that. Some, Rhonda would pray, Lord, can I have a new husband, please? Go, no, <laughs> not answering. Put up with the one you've got. Psalm 60, she doesn't pray that, do you? Do. No. Lord, change him. You've prayed that a few times. If I regard wickedness in my heart, Psalm 66, 18, the Lord will not hear. If I've got sin here, and I know I've got sin here, and I'm cherishing it, God says, I'm not listening. Sort that out. We know this, I'm just reminding you. Psalm, uh, Isaiah 59, verse 2. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Proverbs 21.13, he who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. The way we treat others is how God will treat us. Um, God says, you can hold up your hands and multiply your prayers to me in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 15, but I'm not going to listen because your hands are covered with blood and you've got sin in your heart. Or finally, James 1.6 and 7 that when we pray, we should ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a surf of the sea, tossed and, you know, by the wind here and there. But that person ought not to expect that they're going to receive anything from the Lord. Got to pray in faith, believe and trust God. So God tells us very honestly in his word, there are times when he will not answer. The Lord's Prayer that we prayed this morning. We've been praying that for 2,000 years. Millions of times, millions of people pray that prayer. Your kingdom come. It still hasn't come. There's a delay. There's, it's not answered yet. Will be, but not yet. Or even Jesus, what he prayed. In John 17, he asked for the church to be one. Well, you look at the church. That prayer's not answered yet. And as we read, the Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed for the cup to be taken from him. And the answer was no. Or in fact, no answer, just an acceptance. So why are there delays? I'm sure you've thought about this and you may even have some reasons. And often when we're in the midst of it, we struggled. Why, God? Why? 
Well, here are six very quick, rapid reasons. Don't try to remember them or anything. Just let them wash over you, and I'm going to focus on three or four. <clears throat> uh, sometimes God will delay his answer, or he'll be silent, uh, because the answer, if he gave it to us, what we were asking for, would in fact cause more problems than it would solve. So God, in his grace and wisdom, doesn't answer. Why he doesn't say the answer to that is no, why he doesn't tell us that, I don't know. But it's just silence. Uh, it could be that it's not the right time. He's waiting for the right time. Again, a little communication from heaven saying just wait patiently would be very helpful for us. Sometimes you get it, but most often we don't. Sometimes, as I read through those scriptures, it's also because we're the ones getting in the way. God is silent because of sin or something's not right with us, that we're the problem. Sometimes there's a satanic opposition. Remember Daniel in Daniel chapter 10, uh, that he was praying in 9 and in chapter 10, he gets an angel dispatched to him. Michael comes to him and says, Daniel, your prayer was heard the first day that you uttered it, 21 days ago. But I've been fighting the Prince of Persia, spiritual warfare going on. And I've been delayed in coming with the answer. Sometimes there's satanic opposition. And we may need to bind the strong man. Sometimes God is silent because prayer is not the issue. Prayer is only part of the answer. Prayer is God doing his bit, but there could be something we've got to do as well. That prayer is no substitute for us being involved and us doing sensible things. There's no good praying after you've done the exam. Lord, please make Paris the capital of the United Kingdom. <laughs> or there's no good praying, God, help me pass this exam if you have no intentions of studying. He will do to his part. You need to do your part. Sometimes that'll be the answer. And sometimes God is silent or there is no answer coming because there's something better on the way. Quite possibly. Well, let's focus upon three or four of those or and or other reasons. <clears throat> the first goal of prayer, the reason we pray, the reason God has instituted prayer, why he all through the scriptures is inviting and desires us to be communicating with him is because he wants a relationship with us. And relationships are built on communication. Talk, talk talk and when I'm talking to God in prayer it's not simply about me presenting my wish list to him it's about me realigning my thinking and my will and my choices according to what his will is as best I understand it there are two ways to pray I can pray with absolute confidence and I can pray with total submission with absolute confidence is where he tells me in the word that he wants something to happen your will be done, your kingdom come. Forgive me for my sins. Absolute confidence. He says it, I can claim it, I can pray it, and I can expect that that's done. Total submission. I'm not sure what God's will is. So I'm asking this, Lord, but I'm asking it submissively. It's, that's what I think I want, but your will be done, not mine. It's about the relationship. Jesus, certainly, if you study the life of Jesus, he loved to spend time with his Heavenly Father because he loved the Heavenly Father. He enjoyed it. It was a delight to him. Whereas for us, sometimes we have to make time, find time, fit it in. It's a sense of duty sometimes that we pray. And sometimes we're more interested in getting things from God rather than spending time with God. And God has instituted prayer because he wants to spend time with us. This relationship is not a formula. And I think, as the ancients have taught us, 
or that sometimes God intentionally delays the answer to our prayer because he's far more concerned about you coming and asking. He wants the contact. The end is about you getting the trinket that you so earnestly desire. It's the relationship. That's what in that reading, Luke 11, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but in, Ma- in Matthew, Jesus says, ask, keep on asking, knock, seek, knock, keep on doing it, present continuous tense. Which father of you, if your son asks for, you know, this, would give him that? Well, none of you would, because you're a loving father. You care about your kids. Well, it's, if you're sinful and evil, Jesus says, and you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly father, in Matthew, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to his children? In Luke, in the reading we said, same, same bit, but then, um, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. What's the difference? In Matthew, the emphasis is upon he's a good, good father. He loves us. He gives us what we need, what we request, because he loves us. In Luke, in Luke it's he gives us himself. doesn't give us the trinkets. He gives us the spirit. He gives us his very own presence this sense of his nearness and his love for us. He gives it to us. That's one of the reasons why God delays prayer, because he wants to develop the relationship. Another reason why God will delay prayer, sometimes that he won't answer it, sometimes he's silent, because he's dealing with us. He's wanting to shape us and mould us. He wants to get rid of the self-centeredness in us. Um, I call this a Gethsemane mindset. It's that second reading. It's the attitude of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the, not my will, your will be done. And sometimes it's a process to get from, I want this, I need this, Lord, can you do this, to I'll accept whatever you ordain is the right thing. That's a transition. Sometimes on some things it can be a short step, but on some things it can be a long journey. It can be difficult. Jesus said no to himself, said yes to the Father's will. Somebody asked George Mueller once, what's the secret to his spiritual fruitfulness of him being so close to God and God answering so many of his prayers? His answer was this. Gethsemane mindset. He says, there was a day when I died, utterly died, to George Mueller. I died to his preferences, his opinions, his tastes and his will. I died to the world, its approval or its censure. I even died to the approval or the blame of my Christian brothers and sisters and friends, and since then I have studied only to show myself approved to God. The Gethsemane mindset. Not me. You. What is it that you want? Sometimes God delays his answers to our prayer because he wants to wean us from ourselves. And in us perpetually asking and not receiving is in fact helping us to realign, make right choices. Maybe this isn't the best. Two more points. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers. Sometimes God is silent. And sometimes it's during the the worst times. And we don't know why. There is no answer. It's a common experience, but it's simply a mystery. About 20 years ago, maybe not that long, 15 years ago, went to a doctor, probably getting my eyes checked or something like that, or blood pressure. And on the back of his door, when he closed it, he had this graph, this pie chart. I've never forgotten it. 
and it was divided up into about eight sections and the chart was demonstrating the causes of heart attacks and it's not likely that I'll have a heart attack but anyway I'm more likely to have a stroke or something else but not a heart attack anyway that doesn't matter and I was going through it, it's like family, uh, you know, heritage, somebody in your family's had a heart attack, you're, you're overweight or your cholesterol or something, or da, da 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 So I'm not a victim for heart attacks. But then the, there's this one piece of the pie, the eighth bit, which is just simply a question mark. And I said, what's that? He said, well, all of these other seven things may not happen, but you can still have a heart attack and we don't know why. It's a mystery. We don't know all things. Well, sometimes unanswered prayer is a bit, well, it could be that, and it could be that, and it might be that, and sometimes it's just, don't know. God hasn't told us. He's not giving us an explanation, and all you can do then is really hang on to him. C.S. Lewis went through a very painful experience in the loss of his wife. In his book on grief observed, he writes very emotively and strongly. He says, where is God? When we're happy and praising him, it's like we have open arms and we just uh, received into his presence. But when we are desperate, when we are crying out to help because there's nobody else that can help and we are cast totally upon him, what do we find? Lewis writes, sometimes we approach God and we feel like the door has been slammed in our face and that on the inside you can hear the sound of bolting double bolting and after that silence he says you might as well just turn and walk away that captures it doesn't it that's what it's like sometimes where are you lord well ron dunn writes in his book our feelings are the result of our own ignorance we don't know on our behalf it's never indifference on his part God is much bigger than our theology or expectations of prayer. And whatever our view of Scripture or the promises of Scripture are, he remains sovereign. And if your view of interpretation of Scripture removes sovereignty from him, then you've probably got a wrong interpretation. Our expectations don't bind him, and our prayers are not his command. When all is said and done, Ecclesiastes 5.2, God is in heaven. We are on earth. He is in control. And we are to submit to him. We need a proper view of God. We need a proper view of ourselves. Moving on quickly. God sometimes doesn't answer because he wants to draw us into himself. Sometimes it's because he wants to develop a Gethsemane mindset. Sometimes we don't know. It's a mystery. Last one. Sometimes unanswered prayers ought to be expected. Sometimes they're a blessing. Some prayers are certainly impossible to answer. God can't change the past. Some prayers are logically competitive. What happens if you're praying for rain and I'm praying for it to be fine? Which one is God going to answer? Somebody's going to get an unanswered prayer. But then think about it. What would happen if God answered every prayer? Your prayers, my prayers, everybody's prayers. Well, he wouldn't be in control of the world. We would be. Well, then, okay, God doesn't have to answer everybody's prayer. He just has to answer my prayers. What if God answered every prayer I prayed? That wouldn't be helpful either because I would, as I said before, treat God like a genie in the box. I would become self-serving. I'd end up imposing my will upon others. You've seen the movie Bruce Almighty? 
He's given the ability to do things and he becomes, uh, we are not good at being in control of things. So sometimes unanswered prayers are in fact a blessing. Amy Carmichael had brown eyes. Prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Wanted blue eyes. No, never got it. Ends up being a missionary to India where she puts on, you know, the hat and the covers and stuff. And because she has brown eyes, they couldn't tell the difference. Because God said no or didn't answer all, that li- all of her life. Or that great theologian, Garth Brooks. It's a country and western singer for those of you who don't know. He wrote a song once called, Thank God for Unanswered Prayer. In it, he says, just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he doesn't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. It's true, isn't it? Sometimes unanswered prayers are God watching over us, blessing us. Well, how long then do you have to pray? Well, until God answers, until he indicates otherwise. When do you stop praying? Either until you receive the answer, until you have a prompting from him, the answer's on the way, or unless God says no. Don't have time for it, but Jeremiah 11:14. God says to Jeremiah, do not pray for these people. I will not listen because they'd been sinful and he was going to judge them. Stop praying for them. That's what God says to Jeremiah. Can persistent prayer, listen to this, time has gone and I want to get to the end and I'm nearly there. Can persistent prayer, us nagging God, ever be bad for us? Answer? Can persistent prayer be bad for us? The answer is yes. When? Uh, the people of Israel demanded a king. God gave them a king. It wasn't his first intention. Hezekiah, we'll talk about another service, but the verse I want you to get is Psalm 106, verse 15, where God says that he gave them their request. They pestered him. They annoyed him. They wouldn't stop. He told them to stop, and they didn't. Eventually, God said, have it your way. Have what you want. And then the passage says, and he sent leanness into their souls. Sometimes, asking when God has indicated we should stop can be quite damaging to us. But until he indicates that, we need to persevere and hang on. Let me close by saying this. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. My thoughts and my plans are not like your thoughts and plans, says the Lord. Neither are my ways like your ways. For just as the sky is higher than the earth, so are my ways and my plans superior to yours. He is God. We are not. He sometimes delays and is silent because he wants us in a very close relationship with him. He wants us to hang on, to trust him, to know that he loves us and cares for us, that we don't understand the reasons, but we trust him. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those that have been revealed in the scriptures by his spirit belong to us and to our children so that we might obey all that he says. God is the one who is in control. I'm going to invite you to pray, to bow with me, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and that'll close our service, and then we'll focus on the NCLS. Let's pray. Father, you are wiser than we can understand. Your schedule is always on time, on your time. That you see all of the pieces, and somehow you fit them all together. And we acknowledge, Lord, that you are a good, good Father are kind and loving to us thank you for being patient with us thank you that 
when we ask for wrong things, silly things or selfish things, you graciously and wisely let it pass through to the keeper. We believe, Lord, that you know what is best. Can you mould us and shape us to be like Jesus, to be close to relationship with you, to be discerning and understand what is your will? What is it that you're wanting to do and for us to align ourselves and to cooperate and to work with you in it? Lord, as best as we can, help us to be accepting when you say either no or when you are silent. Help us to hang on, to persevere, to continue until you indicate to stop. Help us to walk with you day by day. We ask this in Jesus' name and we know it's your will. So we are confident you will help us and hear us. And everybody said, Amen.